0: an icy storm, but then the warmest day of spring? Eh, Sure, we'll take it. This is way over our heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld is a climatologist. Kenny, how are you doing in our surreal world these days? It is
1: surreal. We are not at the uh, town hall lanes. And uh, though a note that Folks in that neighborhood and wherever listeners are, you are uh, safe to support your local restaurants in a carry-out and take-out uh, sense. <laughs> They'll really appreciate it, Absolutely. especially if you want them, especially if you want them sticking around uh, when we get past this thing. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it's a we got another nice day in the Twin Cities, so it uh, looks good from the window. I kind of miss being at work, but um, yeah, uh, all is.
0: Okay, how about you, Jim? You know, Kenny, uh, persevering, we have home offices set up here. We do escape every now and then to get outside and walk around. And and frankly, I know our governor has been a bit concerned about the crowds around Minneapolis Lake. So if uh, you are out and about, uh, remember to observe those social distancing recommendations and um, hopefully everybody will stay safe. But I have a hunch... Our desire to go out and walk uh, may kind of dwindle here with the weather that is on the horizon. The dreaded wintry mix returns. Oh, you, you, well, this is what you teed up in, the, uh, in that
1: teaser right before we got into it here. Yeah, uh, it looks to me, and I think I shouldn't say to me, I mean, it looks to all the forecasters. Like, we have a pretty good winter storm that's really going to affect western and northern Minnesota first and most. And it's going to produce uh, rain at the beginning. So rain uh, on Thursday transitioning to sleet, freezing rain, and then heavy snow in northwestern Minnesota. It's unclear uh, if the rest of northern and western Minnesota will get into the heavy snow action, but, you know, possibly six to ten inches in kind of the northwesternmost corner or so of the state, you know, from kind of that northwest angle down towards the kind of Grand Forks area and up into Kitson County. They're going to get heavy snow, but the whole Western two to three rows of counties is going to see a lot of slush, a lot of sleet, some freezing rain. And we could have accumulating ice on uh, tree limbs and power lines and uh, also on sidewalks and other, other surfaces, By tomorrow, that's Thursday evening, and certainly lasting well into uh, the overnight hours and into early on Friday. And eventually, this cold front that's associated with this system is gonna kind of march through the state and even places like the Twin Cities and Rochester and Duluth that start out with rain are gonna also see a transition over to freezing rain and sleet. Now, those of us that get really wet first maybe won't have as big of an ice problem, but this is a pretty substantial system, and we could see some problems, including power failures, from accumulating ice, especially in western Minnesota. And there's some some areas that tend to be a little more vulnerable up on the Buffalo Ridge, uh, kind of southwest of the Minnesota River, and then also up in the uh, Alexandria area uh, and up towards kind of Fergus Falls. Uh, so, yeah, quite a system, and it's going to basically occupy the next uh, day and a half or so. So, from Uh, midday Thursday early Thursday uh, into
0: uh, midday Friday Uh, much of Minnesota is going to be covered by wintry weather now one thing people may want to take into account here when we talk about the possibility of uh Power failures due to the ice accumulation is that did happen up in the Duluth area in northeastern Minnesota this past weekend with that storm system and there were a few thousand people I believe who lost power for a time so if you're like a lot of us and have a refrigerator full of perishable products and perhaps a freezer full of uh, perishable products you better uh, take into account you might not want to be opening the doors a lot if you lose your power because uh, there aren't a lot of alternatives right now to go and restock that without having to hit a grocery store and um, probably uh, go out at a time when uh, it's fairly ill-advisable to do so.
1: Yeah, uh, on two fronts, right? You've got the the general recommendations to avoid crowded areas, and then, of course, you also have the weather conditions. And if you're in an area that's going to be potentially susceptible to some uh, problems from ice, well, then those aren't good conditions to go out either. So... I'd say, kind of, make sure you have the right things in the house. I don't think, Jim, that we're going to be dealing with widespread, statewide power outages or anything like that. But one of the interesting things about this, and I was talking to another, you know, uh, climatologist, weather lover that I know pretty well, and we were we were kind of struck by how widespread the uh, sleet or uh, freezing rain is going to be in Minnesota. Almost the entire state will see sleet or freezing rain at some point between Thursday morning and uh, Friday, early Friday afternoon. That is a much wider coverage of those kinds of conditions than we normally see. And in fact, the, the National Weather Service had a map of how much uh, ice is expected to accumulate. And the majority of the state was expected to have about a tenth of an inch or more within these pockets of a quarter inch and some of the models showing even one half to three quarters of an inch of ice and it's really those higher amounts i mean if, if you have a quarter of an inch of ice that's kind of the entry level for for an ice storm and it you've got a thick glaze and it's hard to go anywhere but you really start seeing damage to tree limbs and power lines once the once the ice accumulates over about a half an inch and especially if there's wind and it does look like there's you know not a raging blizzard type of wind, but there will be some wind, especially as that cold front passes. Um, you're going to see northwesterly and northerly winds 20, 25 mile an hour, maybe gusting a bit higher than that, especially in the, the rural, the outstate areas. So this is a quite a system. We have not seen a widespread ice storm quite like this in a while. Uh, you might go back to 2013. And there was one in southwestern Minnesota. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I'd say, you know, the good news is there's not a lot of travel going on. There's certainly not a lot of people driving across the state and driving long distances. But um, even for those just trying to kind of get out and about around their communities on Thursday and early Friday, it's going to be tough, especially west and north of the Twin Cities.
0: Now, the upside of all this, Kenny, is once this storm system passes, we're going to see some really nice spring-like weather coming up next week, correct? Oh, yes. It looks like we got a couple of buttes.
1: I mean, Monday, we kind of did this last weekend where we had a pretty good winter storm over the weekend. And then we, uh, you know, it had rain and thunderstorms and uh, and then some heavy snow stretching across central Minnesota. And then it got just gorgeous Monday and Tuesday, especially Monday. And this will be a slightly different pace. Our kind of inclement, crummy-ish weather will end on Friday. And then we'll recover a bit over the weekend. But Monday and Tuesday of next week, they just keep in every model, every new model, whether it's from Canada or the European Center for Medium-Range Weather Forecasting or from the America, uh, the American model, the GFS, they all just look fantastic, really warm, possibly 70s on Tuesday. And especially south of the Twin Cities, where, where temperatures above 70 degrees look increasingly likely, but even up into the Twin Cities and maybe St. Cloud temperatures way into the 60s and possibly getting near 70, not just uh, Tuesday, but also possibly even Monday. So yeah, it looks like a couple nice days. We're going to see some humidity in there too, and there'll be the chance for thunderstorms and maybe even a, an isolated strong thunderstorm, but the main story will just be very spring-like weather. I think Minnesotans are craving it and we'll be very happy to see it.
0: We want to touch on briefly a report that just came out about the uh, waters in the Gulf of Mexico being about three degrees warmer than average and how that could impact uh, severe weather here in the United States. And then later in the year, in the summer and the fall, of course, uh, might influence the hurricane season.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, the Gulf of Mexico has a, it's our main moisture source here. So think of the whole central part of the United States, really from the Gulf Coast, right up through, I would say, even southern Canada. So including Minnesota and the Dakotas, especially eastern Dakotas, all the way down through the Corn Belt, down to the Gulf Coast. The Gulf of Mexico is our main source of moisture. So when it gets humid here, when we talk about tapping into Gulf of Mexico moisture, we're talking about having the winds blow off of that region. And I think we all know the difference when the air is coming out of the south and it's July. And it starts to get really muggy and the dew points climb up into the 70s. That's because Gulf of Mexico air has been arriving and then is, you know, maybe uh, conspiring with some of the local effects of vegetation. But then the winds turn around to the west and things get get really dry and become more pleasant typically in the summertime. And in the wintertime, even, you can tell the difference because the temperatures may stay in the 30s and it might feel kind of damp when the winds are coming off of the Gulf of Mexico. So it's a really important moisture source. No surprise. It also fuels a lot of the precipitation that we have. And no surprise, uh, Gulf of Mexico moisture is one of the key ingredients for producing severe weather. If the temperatures in the Gulf of Mexico are also higher than normal, then when we import an air mass from that region, not only, Jim, does it get more humid, but you also get a little boost in the amount of energy that's inside of that humidity. It's a it's a term called latent heat, but it's essentially stored up energy that will, will then sort of travel with that moisture. And uh, it can lead to uh, stronger episodes of thunderstorms. I think the main signal that we saw the article in the Washington Post that a lot of people have read uh, references the year 2017, which in Minnesota was really only notable for having a very early tornado season. Uh, It was March 6th, we had those early tornadoes. But otherwise it wasn't a very active or interesting severe weather season for us. But for other parts of the US, uh, there were slightly higher tornado numbers, especially in, in May and June. But you're right, there's a much stronger relationship to what comes after our severe weather season which is the hurricane season in the uh, southeastern united states and there's a much stronger link there between high gulf of mexico temperatures and more frequent and or more powerful tropical weather systems like hurricanes and so that that is definitely something to be concerned about and of course you know you can't view these things in isolation anymore i mean if we have a situation where we're still recovering from a pandemic or we're still reeling economically which we're almost certain to be you have to imagine that uh, the last thing any coastal community is going to want to have to deal with is you know destruction and further disruption from a uh, tropical weather system so we have to hope that that doesn't actually pan out this year
0: well here in the midwest of course we are entering severe weather season and uh we are obviously now completely focused on the COVID-19 crisis. We're concerned about the economy. But we really also need to pay attention on an ongoing basis to the weather because we could see a severe weather system come through here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not good to be distracted and not be aware of something that could immediately impact you. So we should mention, please, you know, as, as you're consuming news about our, uh, our current crisis, uh, don't uh, neglect to pay attention to the weather because that can be dangerous as well.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, Jim. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, we're, we're, we become singularly focused. If, if you check your favorite news source right now, it's quite likely that all of the top stories are related to either directly or indirectly the pandemic, the COVID-19 and coronavirus and there are other things happening, and I am not at all trying to downplay the the main event right now. But you're right; the weather will be increasingly uh, hazardous as we get from, you know, early April right now into more of the heart of our thunderstorm and severe weather season. And you know, we are distracted. I, I'll say this though, Jim. I know you and I have talked about preparedness and how prepared communities are for severe weather and, and a big component of that I mean you know what was what what worked so well in uh, May of 1965 do you suppose when we had uh, such kind of remarkably successful survival statistics from that major tornado outbreak what
0: do you suppose worked well with that Well, the public warning system worked very well. It was the first time the civil defense sirens were used other than for testing to warn people of an impending weather situation. Uh, The media certainly stepped up, WCCO Radio in particular, uh, went uh, wall-to-wall with coverage of the tornadoes, taking calls from listeners who were able to triangulate when they had two callers on the line, the location of some of these tornadoes. And uh, the death toll was kept quite low considering the scope of that storm, uh, how much physical damage it did to uh, the twin cities. Uh, and thankfully, I mean the death toll from from what I've heard had those warnings not been as effective as they were, would have been substantially higher. Yeah, no, you're right. And wh- and where did what did people do when they heard those sirens go off? They paid attention. They turned on the radio and the TV. They learned what they should do and they did it. Yeah, and they went into their houses.
1: And so one of the things that I think, I mean, severe weather season will be really interesting this year. It always is. But if we have an active one, especially while we're kind of on lockdown, it'll be really interesting because we know mercifully there are fewer people out on the roads, especially during rush hour, which is a... I mean, I, I don't think I have to convince most listeners that severe weather tends to peak in the late afternoon and early evening and overlaps, it doesn't coincide perfectly, but it tends to overlap the period that we think of as rush hour. And so if you have a lot of stalled vehicles sitting on the road or you know, bottleneck traffic and, and a tornado is passing over highway after highway of backed up traffic, that is a emergency management nightmare right there. And, uh, and then the panic that could ensue, you'd have all kinds of issues. And mercifully, for much of this spring anyway, uh, people aren't going to be clogging the roads like that. People are going to generally already be at home inside of a shelter of some sort. So that's a, that gives us a little bit of a head start. So from a population dynamics sort of management standpoint, that puts us in a better than normal situation. But I think you're right. Our situational awareness, how aware we are of what's going on meteorologically uh, at any given moment might be a lot lower than it normally is because we are distracted and consumed by the ongoing um, health
0: situation. So a lot to keep in mind. Yes, absolutely. Well, Kenny, in a nutshell, what can we expect in the next few days?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, getting into Thursday and Friday, there will be a uh, large spring storm system. It's mostly going to affect the kind of northwestern half of Minnesota with the most precipitation and pretty pretty dangerous winter weather conditions with uh, sleet and ice and snow. But even the rest of the state where the precipitation might be a little bit lighter, uh, we're still going to see some, you know, rain and then sleet and then ice and then snow or rain and ice and sleet and snow. So kind of a messy to uh, potentially nasty uh, one to two days ending during the day Friday, then we will recover, have a you know decent weekend, and then we get into real nice weather Monday and Tuesday uh, with higher temperature, higher humidity, a chance for some thunderstorms, but generally just very spring-like weather for a few days.
0: Well, something to look forward to, I think, at a time when we are uh, anxiously grabbing at anything that looks positive. So we've got some nice spring weather coming up next week. (laughs) We can look forward to that, at least. Yeah, Yeah, grab onto it. Absolutely. Take it. Absolutely. Well, Kenny, uh, stay well, stay safe. We say the same to our listeners, and uh, we'll check in at some point next week. Yes, we'll talk to you next week. Take care, everyone.